Okay. All right. We're good. So how's it going? It's been a while. Yeah, for all of us. Um, so to catch you up, in case you've missed the last few weeks, we're in the book of Acts, um, which picks up right after the gospel. So like right after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven, Acts begins, and that's when we see the Holy Spirit come to the disciples, and then they go on and start their ministry and start and start sharing the gospel. So last week in Acts 3, we saw Peter and John, they go into this temple um, during the hour of prayer, which means that it's packed with people. So it's very, very crowded. And there is this lame beggar, which just means this guy who is begging, he has never been able to walk. And so he's sitting there. And so Peter comes up and he heals him. And so then the guy, you know, gets up and he's leaping and running for joy. And so all of these witnesses see this. And then Peter begins his second speech and shares the gospel with them. And so we pick it up in Acts 4, right at the end of his speech. So it says in verse 1, As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching and the people proclaiming in Christ the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. So 5,000 men, just men, um, and you know there are women and children there too. 5,000 came to know Christ from that speech. Um, and what's even crazier is that while Peter is giving this speech, right after he comes and he's like arrested, I mean, I can't imagine any of you guys, like if somebody came and arrested me right now, you'd hop up and be like, oh, I'm in on that, I believe, I want in on that. I mean, can you believe that? But it's crazy because that just shows the power of the gospel um, that reached these people. So this is the first time in the book of Acts that we see someone get arrested uh, for sharing. And um, so first off, the leaders that arrested him, they did not believe in the resurrection. So for them, for somebody to say that Jesus died and then raised himself from the dead, that was just blasphemous. And so they were staunchly against everything that Peter was claiming. And then also the leaders, not so much concerned about the message, but they were also trying to control the public opinion for a lot of political reasons. So they grab Peter and John and they take him in and they ask them, by what power were you able to heal? Um, so because thousands of people saw this man get healed, so there's like there's no way they can deny it. Um, so they ask them, by what power? And Peter's response is this. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which he must be saved. So Peter is very, very clear. He is explicit. Um, and he gives all of his credit to Jesus. He doesn't hold anything back. And he even calls them out, quoting scripture back to them, saying, this Jesus, the one that you rejected, he is now the cornerstone of our faith. And so what he means by that is that Jesus is now the key essential identifying factor of our faith. Because it is only through Jesus' sacrifice and belief in him do we have a life with God. And so Jesus' death and resurrection is now the central foundation to our beliefs. So the leaders, 
they ignore this. And then they respond by just saying, okay, well, don't share the gospel anymore. Like, don't speak of it, don't do anything. And so Peter's response in verse 19 says, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. So he just straight up says no. I mean, to the people who have him arrested in jail right now. He says, no, there is no other option but for us to speak the gospel. So notice how cool that, I mean, they aren't even backing down. They aren't hesitating. They're arrested and told to stop sharing the gospel, and they don't, they don't cower. They don't lie just to appease them, which I probably would have if I'm being honest. Um, but they don't. But also notice that they're not surprised by all of this happening but they are persistent. They were ready. They knew opposition would come because Jesus warned them that that would come. In John 15, 18, it said, Jesus says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. The world hated and crucified Christ. So if you are claiming to be a follower of Christ, then you can expect some persecution. Jesus said, expect trials, but he also said, expect blessing. So Peter, the guy that's in jail right now, later in his life, he writes the book of 1 Peter. And in it, he even says, though we experience trials for a short while, we can still cling to this everlasting hope that we have in our salvation that's awaiting us. So it reminds me of Romans 8.18. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. So trials suck, yes. But what we have to look forward to is so much better that it's not even worth comparing to what's happening now. So it's kind of like, if you think about your favorite ride at Disney. How many of you have been to Disney? Oh, some of you think about Disney, Six Flags, your favorite ride. For me, it's Hogwarts Castle at Universal. Anyone else? No? It's amazing. So you go into your favorite line, and you start waiting. And then you wait, and then you wait, and then you wait, because you wait like an hour or two in those horrible lines where it's hot and it's humid and the mist things don't actually work and you can't sit down because the line is always creeping. It's miserable. I really, really hate those lines, guys. Um, but then you get to the ride, and it's awesome, and it's fun, and it's worth it, and you forget that you hated the last hour of your life because it was so great, and then you just do it to yourself again, right, because you hop back in in line. So this is a much, much smaller picture of trials. So we may go through a hard, hard waiting period and be faced with really hard things. There's, there's no denying that. But what awaits us in eternity is just so worth it that it's just not even worth comparing to what's happening here. And that's what Paul is saying. That the glory, that just the unfathomable glory of being in the presence of the Lord that we can't even comprehend is going to be so worth it that you won't even consider what's happening right here. Even though it's hard because trials are right here in front of you. You can't ignore them. Um, and that's why there's so many times in the Bible where you know they encourage you to, to look to the hope that is your future in Christ because because there are, there, trials are an everyday thing for us. But trials only make us, our faith stronger. And trials also can be used to bring others to know Christ, just like they did with Peter's speech. So we may not be met with the kind of opposition um, and persecution that the early church did. I mean, we're not going to be thrown in jail or stoned, even though it happens to Christians in other parts of the world. But you know that we still face opposition and persecution here. 
because our, our culture is just clashing more and more with us and our beliefs. So we can feel ostracized for having different views. You know, you'd be left out, you'd be made fun of, whatever it is, it hurts. Um, so it's easy to choose being liked and accepted than being true to the gospel. And that can be something we can fall into. Now, there's nothing wrong with being liked, right? Everybody wants to be liked and have friends. Unless it makes you sell out and compromise what you know to be true. So there's this analogy that I heard, and it said, to be terrified of a kitten, but not afraid of a lion, makes you a fool. So if there's this fuzzy little kitten, and you're like, ah, get it away, get it away, but then you walk up and you like slap a lion in the face, it's dumb, right? It's foolish. So to be more concerned what the people, your peers around you think of you versus the God of the universe, the ultimate judge and creator, what he thinks of you is foolish. And we often fall into it. Um, but when we do, it's showing what's happening in our hearts and who we really are truly worshiping over God. Um, but Jesus said, expect trials, expect tension, expect hardship, be prepared for that. Um, but what do, we, what do we do about it? Um, in verse, I love the way that Peter responds. So right after he gets released from jail, in verse 23, he says, When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voice together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And then verse 28, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So their very first response is to pray and to praise God and to ask God for more boldness to keep sharing the good news. So they didn't ask to be done with that job. They didn't ask for a safe escape. They didn't ask to fit in. They asked that they would just continue to be bold and that God would keep working. So they didn't back down. They didn't compromise the truth. Um, and something you'll see throughout Acts is they're praying for boldness here, and then you'll see they live it out. They actually live out what they are asking God for. I know in myself, first off, my first reaction usually is not to pray. Um, I often like turn to myself first, try and figure it out, and then I realize I can't and that I actually need God. Um, so a lot of times I, I do that. Um, but also how many times have I prayed for boldness or for God to help me set my mind on Christ, but then I let myself get distracted with things around me or I get scared of fully living out what God has called me to do. Um, sometimes it's almost like my prayers can be a good theory or a suggestion that doesn't always like give lived out. Um, but we see in this story that they are living it out and they're living out what they were called to do and what they have prayed for. I think sometimes we can separate what happens in the Bible with reality and we think, oh, well, of course in the Bible they had that many people convert. Of course they would be bold. They're the disciples. Um, but the power of God is the same in the Bible as it is today. So, And as believers, we have the Holy Spirit that gives us the power and the boldness and the truth to be able to speak up. If anything, this story is just proof and encouragement that even when we're faced with opposing views and beliefs all around us, which we are, the gospel will still thrive. God will still make himself known. And he has put us as believers in the position to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. 
So we need to live out this faith that we're claiming to have and this faith that we're, we're praying to God for. So when the leaders asked them not to speak anymore or share the gospel, their response was, for I can, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And I want that to be my life motto. I cannot but speak of the truth of Jesus. And I don't want to allow myself to be held back by things that fears or, you know, things here that will eventually fade away. Even when it feels like I'm the odd one out or the culture is beating down around us, even when it feels like you're judged or misunderstood or outcasted for being a follower, I cannot but speak the truth. Um, and I hope you will too. I hope you will take some time to consider what might be holding you back from living out this life that God has called us to and, and promised for us. I'm going to pray and then we can go into our breakout. Um, Heavenly Father, I just thank you for um, just being a good God, Lord, and um, just giving us, giving us the tools that we need to be able to live out a life following after you, Lord, even though we know it can be hard, even though we'll face opposition, even though it'll be awkward sometimes. Lord, I just pray that you will empower us to um, share our faith, to live it out, and just um, to pursue you, Lord, even when the culture around us is telling us that's wrong. Um, I just ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, do you know where to go? Or Dave, do you need me to divide?